one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I'm coming at you on Sunday night before this episode drops. And if you're listening to this on Wednesday and you're thinking, boy, oh boy, what happened Sunday night? Oh, right. That's when Bob Iger came out of left field to take over the Walt Disney Company. Uh, I did not expect it. Nobody I knew was expecting it. And I have been in a bit of a loopy yet catatonic state for the past four hours trying to process what everything is going to mean and what's going to happen and what the implications are and texting with everyone. And basically, uh, I was in actually in this week's intro going to like talk about new Disney stuff and talk about certain things and talk about the Bob Baker Marionette Theater fundraiser I went to, which I saw a puppet fashion show, but none of that matters now because the paradigm has shifted and things are different. Or maybe by Wednesday, things will feel the same again. I don't know. I feel like I'm recording into the future, but you'll be listening to it in the past. And I don't want to say too much else because... By Wednesday, anything can happen. If there's one thing I've learned tonight, it's that right when you think that you have a a grasp on reality, oh boy, you are shook by the shoulders. (laughs) I, I don't, I'm still flummoxed. And again, by the time you hear this, I'm sure it'll be normal. It'll be normal that a Bob became the other Bob. Uh, but either way, I, my biggest shock of the night is that, did you know Bob Iger has only been away from the Walt Disney Company for 11 months? 11 months. He was working there 12 months ago. It's been less than a year and he is back? I don't know. It feels, just going to say it again, Sunday night, you're listening to this days later, feels a little bit, the energy is a little like a, I don't know, a college freshman coming back for Thanksgiving break, going to their high school to see if all their teachers remember them and still like them better than the high school seniors that are currently in the class. That's all I'm going to say. The whole thing is bizarre. My brain has been broken and just oozed out like yolk in an egg. So with that, (laughs) I'm going to poorly transition into this week's episode, which is Disenchanted Parade with Griffin Newman, who you all are going to love. It's a long time coming. I'm so happy Griff is finally on the podcast. Um, It's just there was never a a reason that our two paths would cross podcastically, and now they have. And we've been kind of operating in similar, similar circles for a while, and now it finally happened, and it was great, and I hope you love it. I'm gonna, uh, I will stop talking so we can probably play an ad after this, and then we will get right to our interview! Oh my god, things things change so quickly around here, it's hard to keep up. Oh boy, oh boy. Stick around, we will be right back with Griffin Newman! Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. very special episode with Griffin Newman. Yes, the co-host of Blank Check, a cult favorite movie podcast. The dude who played Arthur on The Tick. Watto from the George Lucas talk show, which if you haven't seen it and don't know what that means, uh, go Google it. But most of all, most importantly, 
Pip in Disenchanted, the sequel to the beloved Enchanted, now playing on Disney+. Plus. Heck yeah, y'all, we're part of the Griffin Newman Disenchanted press tour, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. If you've ever wondered, I don't know, what it's like to play a woodland creature in a gigantic Disney film, you're going to learn all about it. We'll even discuss Griff's recent unceremonious exit from Twitter, his thoughts all about theme parks, discuss what it's like on the dance floor with Amy Adams, and you'll even hear me foolishly call a chipmunk a squirrel. Listen, I was going to have our beloved Jeff Fox edit over it, but you know what? I decided, no, I'm going to own my mistakes. It's fine. I got my little sweeties mixed up. I called Pip a squirrel. We act like it's nothing. It's totally fine. Griff couldn't have been classier about it. We never bring it up until we talked off camera after. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. I called, please, please don't, please don't be mad at me. I called Pip a squirrel. It's totally fine. Anyway, this episode, after recording it, I, I don't know, I felt like before we did, I didn't know how movies worked, and now I do. And we are sharing this inside path into the making of Disenchanted and so much more. I hope you enjoy. And with that, I'll turn it over to Griff. Griffin Newman, welcome to Very Amusing. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, I want to say right off the top, uh, I've been trying to like put together this this ad hoc podcast promo tour for <laughs> Disenchanted. And I was looking for like, who are the Disney people I should know? Because I'm a little tapped into theme park world, but less so into like larger general Disney uh, and I thought you might be, you know, more adjacent to those things and no names. And so you were very helpful in recommending some people to me. Uh, and then I also just sort of after that tweeted out if anyone who follows me has any suggestions of people I should reach out to. And eight million people suggested <laughs> you. It was overwhelmingly like 95 percent of people not only said Oh, you should go on uh, Carly show. They said, like, I-, I will be irate if you don't. <laughs> We're angry at you at the notion that you hadn't like book. Like it was if it felt like there was a lot of anger on both sides about like, you better do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think and you had to say, like, we've already talked about this. This is happening. Yes. It's on the books. It's fine. I think that you and I in some some corners of the Internet oversect in a Venn diagram kind of way. Yes. And yes. so I think that people who listen to your podcast, Blank Check, and then listen mm-hmm. to my podcast, obviously very amusing, which we are on, that they were yes. like, what do you mean you two did not talk about this in advance? <laughs> right, which we did. You were the first person I reached out to. Uh, <laughs> and and beyond that, yes. No, I think I think if you're a fan of of two niche, hyper-specific people like like yourself and I, and you see those two people getting close to each other. <laughs> it must be so stressful to be like, if they miss, if these two yes. <laughs> like comets pass by each other, I'm going to be so pissed off. Even like it took a long time. I, I mean, because we share the the podcast, The Ride Guys as friends, and we only just had them on blank check like a month or two ago, which was long overdue. But most of the times I've gone on their show, I've done 3d or 4d movies like i usually try oh, to pitch <laughs> movies at theme parks rather than rides oh i mean we're gonna we're gonna get into your theme park fandom but that is very i love funny. rides we'll get into it but but with when i try to pick a thing anytime i go on that show i usually try to see is there a good movie that hasn't been claimed yet oh a theme park i never movie. put that together yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense wow 
I'm usually staying far away from those because I can't pay attention during any prolonged show. I need to be moving through space to focus. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I love sitting down. Beyond just my general <laughs> movie fandom, I, there's a few things I like more than a good seat. <laughs> I Well, if you're going to be watching as many movies as you're watching, you have to. Yeah, yeah. Hard to watch movies on, on the go. I mean, I at the beginning of lockdown, I bought myself like a, a low level exercise bike not like a peloton or anything but i got like the hundred dollar <laughs> an everyman uh, bicycle <laughs> i got an everyman's uh, bicycle in bright pink but an everyman's bright pink hundred dollar costco exercise bicycle and i was like well if i'm gonna be home all the time and all i'm gonna be doing is watching movies and podcasting i should assemble this by like in front of my tv so i can at least get exercise doing the one activity i do and uh, listeners, uh, that exercise bu- bike reminds, uh, remains in box, no! unassembled. <laughs> Knowing that, I recently moved it into storage. I was like, I'm not <laughs> ready to give it up. I want to believe that someday I will take it out of storage and build it. <laughs> the and promise I is still alive. Did. The promise is still alive. I refuse to give up. Okay, this is good to know because I have been screenshotting every single person in my Instagram Explorer, which is always a young, it's like a 26-year-old girl walking Mm. on a walking pad, which is a tiny treadmill at her desk being like, beep, beep, boop, I'm working, I'm working. And I'm like, this is the goal, but I don't think I'm going to use it. No, you know how like every like family comedy of the late 80s and early 90s, um, the the shorthand they would use to tell you that a character was like an... Or that they weren't focused enough on their family was that they'd have a cell phone. <laughs> yes. Like if a dad in a family comedy has a cell phone in the first five minutes, you're like, this guy's going to learn some tough lessons. Yeah. This guy <laughs> does not have his priorities straight. I feel like only five years ago, if a character had a walking like little treadmill at their desk at their office, they were the villain of a movie. They, yes. they were that was shorthand for this is the most despicable, unappealing person imaginable. And now, as you're saying, it's becoming like goals. Like this is you, you lazy pig. Why aren't you constantly <laughs> moving at your workplace? Why aren't yeah. you doing Zooms on a walking platform? I don't know, because we're all tired. Calm down. I know. I like sitting too. And the one I let, the last one I saw before I was like, I need to put a pin in this, was a girl who said, I woke up today and I decided I'm going to walk a half marathon while I work. And I was like, you know, it's hard enough for me to focus enough to write a sentence. Yeah. I can't do this. Yeah, two different things. That's fine. Th- those could be two different things you can do at yes. separate times. Like, I'm a very fidgety person. I move around a lot. I just I just don't like standing. I like to fidget in a, in a comfortable seated position. But I will say acting requires a lot of standing. It does. It does. I like s- s- sitting scenes. When I started out <laughs> acting, I almost exclusively got cast as... Um, like personal assistant uh, secretaries or computer hackers. Oh. Um, and like two out of those three, you almost never stand. Oh, right. Hackers are, unless they're like going to the room with all the stuff, then hackers are sitting. Right. This would usually be like someone walks into a room and says like, so have you found anything yet? And then, you know, like secretary, like a front desk sort of personal assistant, I was seating there. And then and then the other type of personal assistant was like the Aaron Sorkin. I have to power walk behind the lead actor and hand them paperwork or a phone or whatever. That was a lot of walking. Uh, but let's walk and talk and more walk and listen while the, the famous person says stuff. Well, as we know, you are in Disenchanted playing not a human role. 
you were playing yes. an animated squirrel. And yes. I assume just from the snippets I've seen online of voice acting that you are big time standing in place, moving your arms around, just yelling into a microphone. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I Because I, even, you know, during lockdown, a lot of um, voiceover moved to at-home records for a bit. Mm. It's now sort of gone back to largely uh, in-studio stuff, which, like, voiceover acting, it feels like the safest way to act during a pandemic. Because you essentially <laughs> yes. go into a hermetic, airtight booth. Uh, someone is, like, five panes of glass away from you. Right. Nowadays, there's usually a screen and everyone else is over Zoom. So like the director and the editor, the sound mixer, animation, whatever, they're all over Zoom. And there'll be like one engineer who's basically a room away from you. And other than that, it's like they wipe it down in between. You feel uh, good. Um, but I, I, for the first nine or ten months of lockdown, I had to do some voiceover stuff uh, at home. Not this. I got this after vaccinations. Um, but, uh, for those jobs, it was really difficult because it's like they give you a setup and they would often give you directions based around trying to insulate yourself, uh, for the best sound possible, uh, to get really clean audio. And that would usually require like making like a pillow fort (laughs) being under covers. Like true. I, I, I would have these records where you have like, you're sitting like crisscross applesauce on a mattress with three comforters over your head, surrounded by pillows, like hunched into a computer screen with a microphone trying to get a clean take. And that's really hard to, to do like physically as much as I don't like standing it's a lot easier to do voice acting when you're sort of just like uh open uh physically you know (laughs) and in position and I stupidly I always like when I saw clips like what you're talking about of, of voice actors or movie stars doing animated roles or whatever and you see them flailing around and making crazy facial expressions I was like that's for show that's so clearly like b-roll promotional footage stuff and you can tell they're wearing makeup and they got three cameras on them and they're well dressed they're wearing the coolest leather jacket this isn't like real footage no one actually does this and I would always do voiceover like like almost in a a fetal position like standing but like <laughs> folded into myself with my arms wrapped tightly across my chest because I was just like so insecure and I was trying to find whatever voice and just hyper focusing on just that and not my body and whatever <laughs> and course. then like two or three records into working on Disenchanted uh, the the people on the other end of the zoom I think maybe the animation people said like hold on one second the reference camera's down we just want to fix that and I knew there were cameras in the studio because like the director and everyone had to see me but I went what do you mean reference camera and they were like well that's the designated camera we have for the animators so they can look at your body language no and I had been doing not only nothing but like less than nothing like (laughs) sort of like methodical lunatic like curled into myself stuff so then I started opening up and being like well, let me let me just give them something to work with. And unsurprisingly, I'm an idiot. It turns out immediately the performance gets better. There's absolutely a reason that people do that. It makes your acting better. It, I mean, it gives the animators more to work with, but it also like it helps if you're going through the the things, you know? Oh my god. So cuz I was going to ask you like what is the process like when you are basically one of the few animated characters in a live action film? Yeah. Do like yeah. do they I wasn't sure if they animated first and then kind of slotted your voice in or if it worked the other way around, but now if they didn't say that, would Pip just be like the saddest looking squirrel? 
Well, I, I, at the very least, it'd just be a lot of uninspired animators, but uh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know, because it's like, it's not motion capture. When I was doing nothing, they would have just said, like, well, what a waste of a camera, and then come up with stuff themselves. And it's obviously, like, incredible animators on this movie, and they built a full physical performance out of it. But I do see glimmers at moments of, like, that's that thing I do with my hands. They clearly took from that. Um, wow! Yeah, so when you when you see it, see. you're like, that feels like me, even beyond the voice. Yeah, it's strange. It's strange. And I'm like, I'm I'm doing a voice in this that's somewhat different from my own. And then they sort of pitch it up and speed it up, maybe ten or fifteen percent in post to make it even more chipmunky, and then it's coming out of a little thing that looks nothing like me. And I watch it and I go like, Oh, right, that's me. It's 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 a bizarre thing like it's not like i go like well of course i'm playing that character i recognize it as if it's like a photo of me you know like it feels like an honest reflection of how i feel which is very bizarre that is so weird to have like a like a i guess like a parasocial relationship with yourself yeah kind of yeah (laughs) yeah um, no, but the the process was fascinating. This because I I never, you know, the when I've done live action on camera acting in the past, you have to do ADR, you know, whenever after filming is done, where they make you re-record little bits of the dialogue that they couldn't get clean on the day. Sound was messed up. There was too much wind. You were mumbling. In my case, it's usually because I was mumbling. Whatever it is, right. <laughs> Um, and that's this very specific thing where you're watching finished live action footage. Maybe the special effects aren't done if there's any of that, but like it's edited, it's otherwise done. And they're saying, this is the tech take we chose and the words coming out of your mouth. Uh, it's, it's a classic Chris Tucker problem. They can't understand the words coming out of your mouth. <laughs> so they want you to redo the dialogue and you have to try to match it dead on 100% to what your face is doing, the timing, the lips moving. That's when you start to get more into, when I would do that, I would more physically act it out because you're trying to match like, oh, I was walking, I stepped on this line, or I grabbed this thing with my hand, anything you can do. And it's this really, really tedious, unpleasant process, mostly because you're watching finished takes from months ago and saying like, I can't change that. There's nothing you can do to like, let me have another take of this where I don't make that stupid face. Uh, And it's all just like locked in. Um, And then animation voiceover is the opposite where you're pretty much going in with like a blank slate. I basically, I got cast on a Tuesday. Uh They had started filming the live action portion of the movie that Monday, the day before. Okay. And they said, we need you to get into a studio immediately. (laughs) Which basically the soonest window the director had available was that Saturday morning to go into a studio and record the whole movie. Oh my God. Yeah. So like this isn't, you know, hopefully this isn't the final audio we're going to use, or at least we won't use most of it. We can improve it later, but we need to have at least a workable version of every line you have in the film. My character's in the whole movie. Um, So it was like this marathon of like, I want to say four or five hours of doing the whole movie to nothing. Oh Um, my God. Truly nothing. Um, and then every three or four months I'd go back in after that. And then, you know, the second time I go in, they now have scenes edited together. They've shot the movie, production's finished. 
now all the animation stuff starts. And so I'm watching like edited scenes where Amy Adams is there talking to a blank space, right? She's in her house and she keeps on looking at a corner of the table and that's where I'm supposed to go. So then I'm watching the edited footage with nothing there. And there are a couple sections in the movie that are totally hand-drawn that takes place in Andalasia, the cartoon world. So those I would see more storyboards, animatics. And then it's like time goes on where you're like, okay, there's like a gray blob, the shape of a chipmunk that doesn't really move, (laughs) you know, then it's like a PlayStation one version of the character with no fur. And then you go up to like PlayStation two, three, four, five. It's like every time I go in, it's a little more like, what it's going to look like in the movie. But those early stages are where you really have space to try new things because they haven't done all the expensive parts in animation. If you have new ideas for lines or a funnier bit of energy or whatever that might change the physicality, you can do it there. The later you get into the process, the more it's like refining what's already there because they don't want to make people have to go back and redo stuff when it's 90% done. Because you're essentially a lead of the film, and you're, but you're not physically there. I'm one of the principal characters, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, can, we can say that. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the only... You're a lead to us, Griff. You're a lead. I appreciate that. Well, I just lead. I feel like that's... Amy Adams is the lead of the movie. I suppose. My character's on the poster, and he's the only character uh, who isn't human on the poster. So it's like... This is what I'm talking about. Right. There are a couple other anime characters that are smaller parts in this, and then my guy is is throughout um, the movie. And, And yeah, and the other thing is... When you get deeper and deeper into editing, if they're having problems with the story or they think there's room for a better joke or whatever it is, my character becomes like the easiest way to fix those things because he's the one thing that isn't finished, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So they there would be I'd have a lot to do every time I came in because they go, well, now we're cutting it together and we're realizing this scene plays like this. And maybe instead we can't reshoot the stuff with Amy. But if we do have Pip say this instead or he's more this tone than that tone. So I, a lot of lines I said over and over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, and then a lot of lines would change every time. But it wasn't like every record I had to do the whole movie. It was basically like the first records of the whole movie, and then every time after that is going over another different 30% of the movie to some degree. I gotcha. And I promise, I know these questions on paper probably sound like no, woman I, who sees movie for first time, but it's hey, it's I, so rare that there, you know, there's a bunch of people on set filming a movie and then you come in to be a very pivotal character, but you're not on set. It's it, just it, like a no, pretty unique was, situation. It was a unique, weird thing. And I, I'm a major movie dork and like read and watch too much about how things are made. And I even didn't really know what this process was going to be like. I mean, there was, you know, I at first, the very quick version of this story is um, I got asked to fill in at like the cast read through that was happening over Zoom. And I think Disney wanted to hire a a person who is a movie star to play this character in their in their abstract way that disney likes to do who's the most famous person we could fit into any and every role Uh, yes we've seen uh, we've seen the cast of the newer lion king we know exactly so (laughs) i was not on anyone's list 
but the the producer of this movie, Barry Josephson, who also produced the first Enchanted, and he produced the the version of the Tick that I was on. Uh, he said, "We're having a hard time finding someone. Can you just fill in at this thing? It's a big favor." He went out of his way to say, "There's no job here for you." <laughs> But it'd be a big favor, and I know you like doing voiceover, and it would be good to be seen in front of all these Disney executives virtually or whatever. And I said, yeah, of course, happy to do it. But my in my mind, I was like, the, the most I can reach for here is, can I be the guy they fly out to be on set doing it off camera? The way <laughs> yes. that like... Yes, right, that's like the James, peak of what you're given. Right. Truly, yeah. that's what I thought. If I really kill it at this table read, maybe they consider letting me do that. Because like James Gunn's brother, that's does the first person Rocket I was thinking Raccoon. of. Exactly, he's yes. the one, Sean Gunn. Where he's like, he's a great actor. He was on Gossip Girls. He's also in the Guardians movies as a a face character. I can use that terminology on your podcast, and no people won't be confused uh, by it. Yep, we're um, right there with you. <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah, in that movie, when when they're doing the on-set stuff and Bradley Cooper's not going to be there on set, he like gets on his knees and he wears a green body sock and he plays out all the scenes and he does all the lines and then Bradley Cooper comes in, dubs it later. And I was like, I'd love to do that. I would love to like be on set with Amy Adams and Maya Rudolph and all these people for like three months and get on my knees and I'll say the lines and you can erase me and you could dub it over. It's fine. I'd be happy to do this. Um so I was I was very very uh, surprised when they actually wanted me to to do the uh, the thing, but uh, but but then at that point I said, well, of course, like, can I additionally come to set and get on my knees <laughs> and wear the green body sock and do that? And they were like, it's too difficult with COVID. So it was like the one thing I couldn't do because they had already started filming. It was like early 2021 and uh, vaccinations were starting to happen, but it was still like sets were pretty locked down and it was a foreign country. And they basically were like the time it would take us to get you a visa to quarantine you in a hotel room for 10 days. You wouldn't be on set for like a month. Um, True. <laughs> yeah, which I look, it made sense to me. I, I would have liked to have gone to Ireland and hung out with the movie stars. But it was, yeah, it was a weird experience because I was working on the movie for so long, basically, save for a day from the beginning of filming. But it was always so compartmentalized and on like a different, you know, uh, side of, of the planet from them. Oh, my God. How how unique. How bizarre. And you've like you've spent so much time with Amy Adams in your own world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. I finally I met her at a bat mitzvah like two weeks ago. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, the, the producer of the movie, the Barry, his his daughter got bat mitzvah. She was there. And I had to be like, I, I, I feel like I know you, which I mean, you know, it's like I th- people probably say that to her all the time because she's a oh very, my god, uh, I'm sure, but you actually star. do, right? I was like, we're coworkers. I know it's I can't like I don't have any presumed familiarity with you, but it is odd how much time I've spent convincing myself I'm having conversations with you for my job. Oh my god! Um, I have to ask, what was the bat mitzvah theme? Carly incredible question 
it was Disneyland themed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to dox the name of the bat mitzvah girl, but it was no, Blank do, please Land. Please do not. I just want to know what the giveaway yeah. and the centerpieces were. Blank Land was the name of the bat mitzvah. It was her name okay. Land. Why don't we say uh, Lindsay Land? Because that sounds sure. good. That is okay. absolutely not her name. So let's say it was called Lindsay Land. Okay. Uh, that was ostensibly the theme, but it was also, it was Halloween weekend. So then the theme kind of became everyone wear costumes. Oh, there was a lot of stuff going on. It had very high production value. Oh, my God. OK, what? Tell me, like, like what was on the centerpiece of each table? Was it a different attraction? Were they all like Ferris wheels? No, you know, it was like because there was basically like one large communal table and then they're around the dance floor. And then there was uh, like a couple small tables outside of the main room for people whose ears were hurting, like uh, grumpy old <laughs> men like myself. Um, but but you know, no, it was like I'd say the theming they sort of had like facades along the walls of sort of like Main Street USA type stuff and little stations. Oh, cool! So there was like a candy bar and like I mean, this is I've never I'd never been to a Hollywood. Uh, bat mitzvah before it, you know it very I neither much... have I and I've been to dozens yeah. but only regular yes. regional midwestern ones yeah I mean look I'm from New York City but I I the bar mitzvah is very different over there this was this was a lot <laughs> this was like this was more impressive than any set I've ever been on as an actor it was it was pretty crazy yeah oh my god okay what were the stations and what were the giveaways I gotta know there was a candy station there was, I don't know if there were giveaways. I mean, but there was there was a station that was like customize your own uh, uh, like items, I guess. It was basically like, wow. uh, I got a sweatshirt that's a drip queen on it with a crown <laughs> and a rainbow flag. Uh, and they had like beanies. You get like shirts or hoodies and they had like a number of different sort of iron-on patterns that were like unique to her and her name. And then there was like a box of like, like pink was also kind of the theme. There was a lot going on here, but so there was like a box of like pink snacks and things. There was there was uh, like a, a custom seltzer water. Ooh, I, this this there is my like kind of party. Seltzer cans with her name on them. Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty wild, and it was also look I like Amy Amy Adams is one of my favorite actors uh, living. Has that has long been the case. Uh, so like the fact that I'm, uh, in this movie, uh, I'm in her movie, uh, acting separate of her, but in <laughs> scenes with her is like a thing that is beyond exciting to me. I've, I've always thought like thought so highly of her, couldn't think more highly of her watching Amy Adams, just like a completely normal person at a bat mitzvah on the dance floor, like doing the funky chicken and stuff <laughs> or like the electric slide was like, oh, no, this you've somehow exceeded my expectations of what I want you to be. <laughs> I love that the two instances that you've, quote unquote, hung out with Amy Adams is alone on a Zoom with a bunch of people for hours yes. on end and at a Hollywood bat mitzvah. <laughs> at a Hollywood bat mitzvah. Yeah. Where yes. I spoke to her for five minutes. Yeah. And otherwise was just like, that's crazy that Amy Adams is wearing glow sticks right now. Yes. <laughs> did she have a, like a blow up saxophone? She did. She came just short of that. I was Ugh. waiting for that. Although, you know what? I didn't go to the photo booth. There might be, I don't want to out her, but there they had props in that photo booth. She might have, she might have done something. She seems like she's down for a blow up sax. She seemed like a lot of fun. I will say that.
Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I guess we will transition from Lindsay Land to Disneyland, mm-hmm. <laughs> which um, when I was prepping for this, by the way, not easy to prep for an interview when someone is suspended on Twitter. <laughs> not I not know. easy. <laughs> I know. Blame Elon. No, it's... Uh... But you're free. You're free. I, 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 Carly, I truly feel that way. I had so many friends texting me because I, I tweeted a thing. I changed my name and my photo to Elon Musk and I had a verified account and it was the day that he said... Unless you specifically cite it as parody, if you impersonate someone else, you'll be permanently suspended. So I tweeted, changed my mind, parody is legal again, have at it. But then I wrote in parentheses underneath, this is a parody. Like that was my bit I was doing. And I was banned within two hours. 
of that tweet. Uh, and I had I had so many friends go like, holy, f- are you freaking out? My condolences. And I truly was like, I feel free. I feel free. Oh, I finally free. have pushed myself off of this thing that has uh, haunted my life for 13 years. Um, <laughs> but it is scary in that way, what you're talking about, where it's like we're all looking at this thing now going like, is this just going to be shut down in five months? And so much of the last 15 years of culture happened on this one stupid website. And you're like, if it goes under, where's the archive, you know? Well, I I mentioned it because uh, I did wind up on the blank check fandom page. And I thought that the fandom page had a neutral voice. They do not because they said, and I quote, good Lord, Griffin loves theme parks. Hey, hey. It's a very uh, opinionated um, <laughs> fandom page, <laughs> but it is, it, that is true. That is true. I love theme parks. So, okay. Tell me like, how did it start? Did you go as a kid? Did you fall in love with them as an adult? Are you a Disney person? Are you a universal person? Like what is your theme park purview? Okay. Multiple questions. I'll take two hours to answer all of these. <laughs> My mom is French. She grew up in Paris. Um, so we would visit Paris a fair amount every couple of years or so she took me to Disneyland Paris then Euro Disney uh when I was like two I want to say um and then my parents did not take me to another theme park for like seven years and I was just like irate and I would just I would see friends of mine going on these trips coming back with photos and I'd be so jealous. And I'd go, why can't I go to Disney? And my mom would go, we took you. You don't remember? And she would hold up a picture of me as a two-year-old in a theme park on a day when it was raining. <laughs> that was the other thing where she was like, well, yeah, none of the rides were operating because it was raining. And I was like, "You then you don't get to say that you did your job. Don't act like, well, we did it already. What are you complaining about? Yeah, that does not count. But there was that, what was, I always forget the name of this. Inside Disney World, it was a show that was on the Disney Channel that George Foreman was one of the hosts of in the early 90s. And it was just like a 30-minute travelogue show where every episode they would like show you a ride and a food place and something else, you know? Yes. But this ran 94 to 95. So this was like the peak of my like, please let me go, please let me go, please right. let me go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These two cascading into one. Okay, totally. Yeah. And then I, th- I think we finally went as a family in 97 i want to say okay uh either 97 or 98 um and then my sister's younger we go in 2002 early 2002 for my brother's birthday but the two things i very quickly realized are uh uh, my my parents do not have the tolerance, energy, interest, or bandwidth <laughs> to engage with theme parks as much as I want to on trips where they have to be responsible for me. <laughs> and two, my brother doesn't like theme parks. So he'd always be the one being like, can we go back to the hotel? I'm tired. And I would want to do everything. Right. Um, so when I was able to start going to these places by myself as an adult or with friends, that was really a game changer. Um, so I live in New York, but I would go out to LA a lot for work stuff or more often trying to get work stuff and would try to go out there. Universal in particular, I really grew to love, uh, 
Universal Hollywood, which I've been to before as a kid, but there's something about just how manageable it is as yes. a park. It's like you want to rally behind it in a way. Yeah, but also just for me, it's like I'm like in L.A. for a week. I can go there and go on every ride and that's half a day. Yes. You know, and it's not it's not a commute. It's not like, you know, I don't have to go all the way to Anaheim. It's not going to cost me as much. It's not going to take as much time and I'll get on everything like the lines won't be as long. Yeah. So I I go to Universal almost every time I go to L.A. to the point where I have (laughs) an annual pass, even though I don't live in L.A. Wow. Their annual pass deal is still bananas. It, It doesn't make any sense. Nobody must buy it. Right. But it's basically the annual pass costs, I think, 40% more than a one-day ticket. Oh, yeah. And you can turn a one-day ticket into an annual pass with nothing. Right. So I just, every year I get a new annual pass and I probably go four or five times a year. (laughs) And like sometimes I go and I'll just go on one ride and I'll do the Simpsons and I'll eat a Krusty Burger and have a Duff and whatever. Great time. I have a great time. This is one of the greater brags of my life in terms of just the sense of accomplishment I felt. Um, I uh, was screen testing for a, a network sitcom pilot that was for NBC. This was about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, and so they flew me out to LA to do the final sort of screen test, chemistry test with the other actors they had cast. And it was down to me and like four other guys to play the best friend on the sitcom. Uh, the weirdo roommate and um, it was all going to be at the NBC offices which are right there in Universal City so they put me up in that hotel oh the hotel the Tully Savalas hotel so I I like get into LA maybe 6 p.m. right and I get into my hotel room and I look out the window and the theme park is right there And I call my mom, she's, you know, tell her I landed okay, pep talk for this big audition tomorrow, which is like the biggest thing, the biggest career opportunity I've had far and away up until this point. And I'm like, she's, how's the hotel? And I go, it's great. I'm looking at my window. Universal Studios is right there. It's kind of amazing. And she goes, do not even think about going to the theme park tomorrow. (laughs) Do not even think about it. She was like, what time is your test. And I was like, they're going to pick me up in the lobby of the hotel at one o'clock. And she said, don't do it. What time? And I was like, no, but it opens at like nine or 10. I could go, I could do it. And she's like, don't do, this is the most important day of your life. If you run late, if you're tired, if you're sweaty, if you don't have time to like shower, to learn your lines or whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm not going to do it. You'll be jet lagged. Don't lose sleep so that you can go to Universal in the morning. I, of course, wake up 8 a.m., get there for rope drop, (laughs) get a priority pass i go on every single ride just to prove the point i do every ride one time including the full tram tour no you did not have time for the tram tour carly i swear to god i got lunch i wasn't even like running sprinting i was like focused but i got everything done i get back to my hotel room at noon i take a shower I get off book. I go downstairs. I book the job. No. <laughs> yeah. So then my my agents after that bought me uh, uh, theme park tickets <laughs> as like my gift for like <laughs> congratulations on booking the park. But they were also like, maybe this is your process. Yes. So it's almost now become like an obsessive ritual thing to have to go there every time I go out there. So if you're going to a Disneyland or a Disney World and and you only have a few hours, we have one day, like what are your highlights? What's your favorite thing to do there? 
That's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, I will I'll probably come up with a playlist that's a balance of like, what are my go-tos that I want to go on every time? And what are some things I haven't done in a little while? So like the last times I went to uh, Orlando and Anaheim, I really want to do uh, Roger Rabbit at Anaheim. Uh, and I, cause I hadn't done that in a really long time and Mr. Toad, you know, any of the things that feel like also a little precarious, like maybe this closes sooner rather than later, <laughs> Yes, you know, like if I'm going to universal Orlando, ET's top of the list because always. I just, always. right. You just never yeah. know. I'm always worried for that news update that the thing's going to be gone. And that's basically my favorite ride in any park. It's at least at that top S tier. Um, but I mean, Haunted Mansion, I love Pirates. I love uh, they're lame, obvious answers, but there's a reason why they're that beloved. Um, you know what? You know what? Actually, no, here's my actual answer. My number one without fail, if I am at either American Disney Park, I must go no matter what is Enchanted Tiki Room. Really? It is. It, I, I don't even know if I can explain it, it is my favorite thing. And sometimes I will build a trip around that needing to be the first thing to set me in a good mood. Sometimes I will build a trip around that needing to be the last thing I go on to end the day perfectly. Sometimes it's in the middle. But just get a nice little Dole Whip, sitting in that room, usually beating the heat for a little bit. And it's just like, it's just jokes and bits and songs. I find that thing so relaxing. I get to sit down. Huge detail. Your favorite thing. You love to My sit. favorite thing. The ultimate thrill for me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love I love Tiki. I mean, doing Country Bears at Orlando is a similar thing to E.T. where it's like, is this gone next time? I have to do it whenever I can. Indiana Jones in Anaheim I love. Try to think of the other things that are up there. I mean, so, you know, there's some like, you know, the IP question. It's, it's a controversial one, right? And I, now I, you are IP. <laughs> Now I am IP, so I have a vested interest. Yes. And there are, look, there are bad attractions based on IP I like that are so bad, I get no pleasure out of them. But I'm also just kind of a for characters that I enjoy. (laughs) And I will tolerate something that is okay if it feels like, oh, I get to see my friends for five minutes, you know? Yeah. So there are things like, like, you know, Astro Blasters or whatever version of it you're on, the Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin shooting ride is like, it's pretty creaky at this point, right? I find it charming. <laughs> I enjoy it. it. It is showing its age, but it's hard for me to not take an opportunity to just uh, spin around the world with Buzz for like 10 minutes. He's one of my best friends. I want to see him, you know? Right. Yes. Is there an example you're willing to share of the opposite? Of one that I think sucks, even though I like the characters? Yes. I haven't done... I mean, this is sort of the big one. I'm a a Fast and Furious fanatic. Okay. I love Fast and Furious. I have not gotten to do Supercharged at Orlando yet. Well, you've already done it. (laughs) That's the good news. (laughs) I really enjoy it as part of the tram tour. I think that... You do? I do. And I know that's even a controversial opinion. But I do... Enjoy it. I think within that context, it works. I find it fun. I see my friends for five minutes. It's okay. I like the Kong ride in Universal Orlando so much uh, that I was hopeful that they would do something similar to that where it's like, well, the bulk of this is the thing we built for the tram, but we actually did build out some stuff around it. It's not just the tram. And I think that ride works. Like I think the, the Kong ride at Islands of Adventure 
works for me. Um, I imagine I would enjoy doing supercharged less in Orlando just because if you're doing a separate boarding for this thing, you know, <laughs> that cannot justify it. It's probably more irritating. That having been said, like, I'm very excited for the roller coaster, uh, the the thing the concept art leaked out for recently. Like, there's a much better Fast and Furious ride to be made. But I'm trying to think of things that, like, I think objectively suck. I mean, I have I have a mixed relationship on the Cars franchise, but I recently, when I was in Paris, went on the, the road trip, which is barn yeah. on the, the single worst thing I've ever witnessed at Disney. But Park. isn't it so bad it's good? <laughs> It it is it is astounding. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you had tipped off the PTR guys to it. They did the full episode on it. I really enjoyed that episode. And then I was coordinating with Scott, trying to get guidance from him before I did my Paris trip. And he went, obviously, obviously, skip Cars Road Trip. And I went, uh, Scott, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm gonna go on it. I will have the priority pass. It will be no no slight to me. And my time, I will, I will go there. I will, don't, I will enjoy this. And I could not believe how bad it was. It, I was still disappointed by it. I will say this: when I went on it, the the one sort of money section of that thing, the Catastrophe Canyon yes. section, where there's the truck, the tanker truck engulfed in flames, and then the water tower falls over to put out the flames, and it almost hits the tram car. Um, that's like the one part of that ride that's a little bit exciting. Uh-huh. Uh when I went on it, the fire was not working. There was no, no okay. fire. No, 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 no. So there was just nothing. It was just a truck that is not animated. It's not <laughs> animatronic. It's a static truck with a fixed mouth who's saying like Sacre Bleu and nothing is going on around him in a barren landscape. And we just sat there and watched him panic. Oh, that's for like, like 45 seconds and then just a bunch of water spills on him. You're just in traffic. You're just in traffic on the highway in Truly. France. If that's if that's what's happening. And by the way, I like tram tours. I like backlot tours. I I like boring things. If that's if that's what the ride's trying to do, I think I would have enjoyed Cars Road Trip if it had ten more things, and they could be ten things at the same low level of what they have. Like there's the Lightning McQueen inside of a giant lug nut. If there were 10 of those, I would feel okay. There are two. <laughs> yeah. It's quite sparse. <laughs> it's pretty sparse and it's pretty short. Yeah. It felt like it was over in 90 seconds. Well, consider yourself lucky because I waited in line for it. I. It was the only saving grace is that I did not wait. But that's, yeah, that's like the worst thing I've been on. What would your version of the great movie ride be? Oh, that's such a good question, Carly. I mean, that that was probably my favorite ride of all time. I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah, dearly departed. Um, you know, there was that pitch at one point that they were going to have the Muppets take over the great movie ride, which I thought was such a good idea. Um, this is a pro-Muppet that- podcast, just to let you know. We are all in favor of this. Uh, they, they, Muppets are practically my religion, uh, and I, I, you know, especially Muppet Vision 3D, another thing that's top of list, have to go every time I'm in Orlando, always worried about its closing. I was so encouraged when there was sort of the whispers of Muppet Great Movie Ride because it felt like, well, that will give them some new place of permanence, and it also keeps this ride intact. 
but that's another one where it's just like the underrated aspect of that ride is it being 20 minutes long right yes <laughs> that that it's just the one ride that really pays off in terms of the time you invest versus the amount of time it gives you uh, enjoying the thing so my version of the great movie ride i would reconstruct the entire great movie ride as it existed i would restore it to its previous glory i would have the muppets be um the hosts uh interacting and i would make it four times as long it would be <laughs> an hour long i would just add more movies and i i think the movie should be more esoteric too because that was the complaint towards the end of oh these young kids they don't care about classic movies these references are lost on them i'm like let's put fatty arbuckle in there let's do maya darren let's do the early days of experimental non-narrative film <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh let's let's have like a whole like robert downey senior wing like I just go go as far into it as possible. I want it to be an hour long. I want the Muppets to be hosting it, uh, and, and filling the roles of like uh, Muggsy and everything, um, and 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 Pip. Obviously, there should be like a whole Enchanted wing. Oh, okay. So there's gonna be. So then you get to do the voice for the ride. So then you're in a theme absolutely, park, right? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'll have you know because I I think you'll appreciate this. The like me getting involved in the movie came together so quickly out of nowhere and so unexpectedly. Uh, and the one thing in the hassle of like trying to get a contract signed so I could start working three days after they offered me the role that I fought for was just like, I don't want there to be any sound alike for Pip. <laughs> I want to do everything. There is no need to find the Jim Hanks to my Tom Hanks. Right. I am the Jim Hanks for myself. I am. I cost about as much as Jim Hanks for the real thing. <laughs> probably even less than Jim Hanks. So just let me do all of it. Like anything that comes about, any new dialogue that needs to be recorded for Pip in any form, for, for merchandise, for parks or whatever, let me do it. So I just like, I'm, I'm very... Uh, eagerly awaiting the release of the film and the response and hoping that people like it and hoping that it it there is a demand for there to be anything new. Because my dream, I, I'd say, is to do the like pre-ride announcement. That's oh, the yeah. thing that, that would feel the coolest is to do the like keep your arms inside the vehicle. I did, when we were doing the tick, when that show premiered, Amazon put uh, too much money behind promoting it at San Diego Comic-Con that year. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that felt less about them promoting our show and more about being like, look, we have a superhero show too. Um, but they, one of the things they did was they built uh, an activation, as they call it. Mm -hmm. They had like this multi-room escape room that was a replica of my character's apartment and the bad guy's lair and a couple other sets from the show. And it was built like off-site near the convention center in San Diego. And I had to record a video that was essentially the pre-ride video for that. Um, and it was a thing they sort of just threw at me. Like we were filming and right before we went to lunch, they said, we're going to do this thing. Can you just film this quickly? And they just like handed me the script. And I went, oh, I know exactly what this is. <laughs> like I've never understood the assignment as an actor more than I did in this moment where I just read 
the page and I was like, I understand exactly what tone this needs to be. <laughs> and it was literally like me looking conspiratorially and then like walking by, catching the camera and go, oh, thank God you made it. Tick and I were worried you didn't get our message. Look, uh, we got a feeling that the terror might be back and at large. We've seen Pyramid Gang members everywhere. But if you're as good as the Tick told me you are, you might be just the person who can help us. I'm going to need you to find five objects. And it was just that <laughs> spiel. And it was it was like the greatest joy of my life. I love that you got to be hurried. Like there was an emergency happening. Yes. They might be listening to me right now. It was very much one of those. I have to give you the instructions, but I also have to tell you that you are the hero. We're, we need you to help us. Um, so yeah, that was like one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do as an actor and uh, getting to do that as Pip would maybe be the only way to surpass that. Oh my God. Well, then everyone has to watch the movies so that this can happen. Yes. And demand Pip in the parks. Hashtag Pip in the parks. (laughs) Hashtag Pip in the parks. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on Very Amusing. Hi, Carly. My name is Charlie, and I wanted your opinion on Christmas at Disney World. Um, I took my boyfriend on his very first Disney World trip over the summer, and he enjoyed himself, but I can't really tell if he was overwhelmed or (laughs) lying to me. Um, But we have the opportunity to go again the first week of December, and I want to know what you would recommend um, for a still fun but more low-key day. We're only doing one day this time, and we plan to just do Magic Kingdom. Um, I'd love your opinion on this. I'm way better at Disneyland. I don't get to go to Disney World as often. So I would just love to know what you think. Thank you so much. Bye. First things first, Charlie, uh, you saying I can't really tell if he was overwhelmed or lying to me is unbelievable. I could hug you just for that. Deeply relatable. Like cracked up out loud when I first heard that on the Tros hotline. But I am here to answer your one day at Magic Kingdom question. So from your call, you mentioned Christmas, so it sounds like that's a priority. I don't know why I'm dissecting this, but you also mentioned a boyfriend who does not have much tolerance for a jam-packed Disney day. So I have just a few recommendations for you. I think it's best to kind of prioritize like chill moments of joy, of uh, moments of whimsy over bang, 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 hitting all the rides. I would do things like people mover. I find that people who are, uh, oh, sorry, I hit my necklace in case you heard a little, um, I find that people who are like curmudgeonly about the park still love that ride. There's something about getting high up in space that is magical, no matter what, like the higher up you are over the park and you can look down at things. It's always special. So even if your boyfriend's like not too into this, uh, vaguely might not be a Disney person, but it's just putting on a front. I think people mover is always reliable. The line's never too long. So that's something you can slot into whatever rides you're prioritizing for the day. I would also try to find like little moments of entertainment that your boyfriend thinks are spontaneous, but you have secretly checked the schedule on the app or on the website about. (laughs) Specifically, my recommendation is the Casey's Corner Pianist. I am always the happiest I am in Magic Kingdom for the most part, except for like being on Space Mountain, is when, or eating popcorn or eating anything, let's be real, uh, is when the Casey's Corner Pianist is playing. It is so magical. It is so special. It just feels like old, like you're in the parks, but you traveled through time. It's the best. So, I would check the time schedule on the website, plop him down, have him hold a table, go get a pretzel, the pretzel cart in the hub, then mobile order cheese inside at Casey's Corner. Don't worry, not like I've done this before. And then you get to sit, you get to have a fun little Disney snack, you get to take in some music. It's very joyful. It's very great. 
And if you reach a point throughout the day where you're like, oh no, oh no, this dude needs a break. Take a boat, leave the park. I know you'll come back, don't worry. Leave the park, take a boat to the Grand Floridian. And that's where you'll get a dose of more quaint, quiet, intimate Christmas time fun. You can enjoy the tree, get a photo there. You can buy gingerbread at the gingerbread house they have in the Grand Floridian lobby. It's nice. You'll take a break from the hectic parks and then you can easily head back in after you have that moment where you're just hanging out, enjoying the festive season. I hope you have so much fun. I'm now very jealous. I can't wait to go back to Casey's Corner and just get a pretzel with cheese and chill out. So I hope you have the best time in your trip. Have so much fun. Thanks for calling. Hey, Carly. This is Lauren from Orlando. Just wanted to alert you. Uh, Shrek Sunburst happening early. They have announced at the Beecham in Orlando, December 1st, there's going to be a Shrek rave. Uh, what? Uh, I want to know what you would wear to a Shrek rave if you were potentially going to this event. And also, what kind of drinks and food should they be serving at this rave? Let me know. Okay, bye. First things first, there is no better way to ring in Shrek Semper than to go to Shrek Rave. On December 1st, the first day of Shrek Semper, if anyone is planning to go to this, I best be getting a call on the Churros hotline telling me how much fun you had because I need a first-person dispatch directly from it. And second of all, listen, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say you might be hearing about a certain swampy rave in the near future. Just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. As for what I would wear or what I think they should serve, listen, I don't want to spill too many beans, But let's just say you might be hearing more about Shrek Rave in the near swampy future. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But thank you so much for calling. And y'all better go to Shrek Rave in Orlando on December 1st. Let me know how it is. Thanks so much for calling. Hi, Carly. My name is Elizabeth. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Love the podcast and love that there is somebody else trying to keep the Muppet fandom alive. I have a question for you. I'll be heading to Disney World next month with my mom, who's almost 70, and my 14-year-old son. My mom hasn't ever been to Disney World. My son and I were there last year, but wanted to go back for the 50th. We're going to be staying off property at the Flamingo Crossings area, but we have a split between Disney and Universal and have some time built out just for some downtime, not within the parks, but just to relax and explore a little beyond the parks. My question is, what would you do with that time? Um, all three of us are very adventurous eaters. We're not especially interested in characters, but I'd love to hear how you would spend a down day, um, either at Universal, at Disney, somewhere in between. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. Love the podcast. Bye-bye. Okay, so I have some 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 options for you, but I just want to say at the top that in terms of food recommendations, especially if that means outside of Disney and Universal, just in the the regular Orlando area, I am always going to send you to Lemon Hearted. Um, I when I say it out loud, it usually sounds like Lemon Hearted, but it's H E A R T E D. It's an Orlando lifestyle and food blog, and they are experts, true experts in the food scene there and have the best recommendations. If you're kind of like, oh, I want to try something new that isn't at the parks. I don't know what to do. I would scroll through their Instagram feed for whatever looks yummy to you and just put it on a Google map and drive straight there. The truth is, 
I rarely get to eat off property when I'm at Walt Disney World. I'm usually focused on catching up on Disney World things I've missed between the weeks that I'm not there. But there's so much good food in Orlando. There's also a great Vietnamese food scene. If you're into that, that's a big priority for me. I've done it before. It was so delicious in Orlando. Uh, I would just I would head to Lemon Hearted and just click on whatever looks great and uh, follow your tummy that way. But Since this is a theme park trip and you have a day off between the theme park resorts, I'm actually, I know the default is like, go to Disney Springs, but I'm going to recommend you explore the hotels. I think there's a lot of Disney magic at them, and mostly, it's just so fun to step onto new Disney soil for the first time. Like, visiting a Disney property, a hotel, anything you have never been to before is just a little inherently magical, and I think... Visiting a hotel you haven't been to and dining at one of them is a really good way to channel that. If you've never been to Animal Kingdom Lodge, that's one of my favorites to go to if I'm not in the parks. You can dine at Boma. Uh, you can explore if you haven't been there before. If you have been there before, go back. It's great. It's just fun because you can go outside. You don't have to stay at the hotel to do this. You can go outside. You can see the animals. You can see them up close. And it really helps add kind of an activity layer to a day when you're not in the parks. If you're kind of like tired of Animal Kingdom Launch, if you've done that a lot, I'm going to send you to Disney's old Key West Resort. And here's why. You can have brunch at Olivia's Cafe. You can take a boat to and from Disney Springs to help tack that onto plans to fill out more of the day. I think it's just a nice way to to enjoy Disney, but in a very calm, chill atmosphere. Something your mom might be into just adds a little more into the free day that's a little Disney that you wouldn't really be seeing otherwise. And last but not least, I genuinely love hanging around Disney's Wilderness Resort. You can pair it with a lunch at Geyser Point. You can just get a coffee and walk around. It just is it's so calming and relaxing and I think is really nice for a day off from the parks. It's a little bit of chill magic. And if you want something a little more active, um, I don't know when it's opening. Uh, it depends on when you're going, but they might have Universal's new escape room that will be at their downtown area, their city walk. It might be open by then. I don't know if your mom's going to be into it or not. I don't know if your kid's going to be into it or not. I don't know if you're going to be into it or not, but it is a fun activity you could do kind of with the three of you as a team. It would probably be exciting. It wouldn't be too scary because it's Universal Film Properties. Uh, but I, I I, think that's it. I'm really excited to do that when it does open. So I think it'll be nice to pair with some fun food and just have a great time. I hope you have a wonderful trip. And thank you. Thank you for keeping the Muppet fandom alive as well. Thanks for calling. Hi, Carly. This is Tomes, originally from Northwest Indiana, near Chicago. I live in California now. So I got ourselves a Disney dilemma, and we need your help. My wife and sister-in-law are both turning 40 next fall. My brother and I want to plan something at the Disney parks for them, but they are Disneyland and world fanatics. Uh, My wife and sister-in-law probably have uh, total visits at each park hovering around 100 in a lifetime. So the question is, uh, what can we plan for them at either park that would be a bit unique or interesting to do for such park experts as themselves. We have a pretty wide budget and be open to outlandish, outlandish, once in a Disney lifetime suggestions. So looking forward to hearing your suggestions and thanks again for doing the show. It's something my wife and I truly enjoy each week. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. I love to see that you also moved from the Midwest to California. You are a fellow member of the No Snow Club right here, unless you live in a part of California where it might snow. But regardless, we're just going to pretend that we are both in hot, sunny, beautiful California. (laughs) Now, 
something special for people who have been to the parks as often as these people have been to the parks is a tall order. But I have a few tricks up my sleeve for you, and hopefully one of these will work out. Again, obviously, there's the spendy stuff, your Victoria and Alberts, your VIP tours, your yada, yada, yada. But something I just recommended to someone I was helping plan a bachelorette party, I recommended they book a specialty private fireworks cruise. And I think this is a good option for you as the thing you do or maybe one of the things you do. Not only do you get a 25-foot boat for up to 10 of you, but you get little snackies, you get soft drinks, you get balloons, you get a festive banner. I don't really know what that looks like, but the pricing starts at $399 plus tax total, like for everyone, which I think is a really fun and special group event at a price point that is much lower than many other fun and special things, especially for a group with multiple people in it. And if you're hearing this and you're like, nah, 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 this is a special event. Did you not hear me? Extravagant is okay. Then I would upgrade from this and I would look into renting the Grand Floridian Yacht. It's this big old boat that's available for rentals, but that's no longer listed on the website. I couldn't find any active link on Walt Disney World's website for this. So you would have to call in and find out and see if they're still doing it. But the boat's sitting there and they got captains. So... It's definitely something you should be able to do. Uh, And I'm sure that is something your party has never done before. Now, sadly, they used to do these group VIP tours where you would pay individually and they would take you on like a set of themed rides. It was like the VIP day of thrills. And you would, as you with some strangers, would go on all the thrill rides at Magic Kingdom, say. And it would be, it was really fun. Maybe they left, I did it once before, but I don't remember if we switched parks. Anyway, it was great and it was affordable. Um, But sadly, those are not back yet. (laughs) So beyond a standard VIP tour, um, I'm trying to find things at different price points in case you want to combine them. But when it comes to tours, I'm going to recommend that Savor the Savannah tour that Disney World offers. It's, I myself have not done it. I've always wanted to do it, but this is different from the bigger Animal Kingdom tour that I know they used to offer. But you basically, you get a private safari, there's tapas, there's drinks, etc. But again, if you're like, no, 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 we want something once in a lifetime kooky. I would reach out and inquire about possibly doing this tour as a private tour or see if you can buy out the whole tour so it's just your group, which again would be extravagant. But if that's too pricey, you can always pair the regular tour with maybe some of these other special things. And I'm pretty sure your group probably hasn't done that before because if I haven't, if I still haven't done it, there's a chance they haven't done it. Otherwise, I'm just going to blow your budget. (laughs) And I'm going to say, plan a little party, get catering, do all this stuff, but do it in a very, very special hotel room. At Walt Disney World, my choice would be to rent one of those Polynesian bungalows. Even if it's just for a night, if you do it as a surprise, maybe they don't know they're checking in there. Maybe you arrange for a luggage transfer from the hotel you are staying at for everything to be brought into your bungalow. Surprise. How exciting. Uh, There's like so much you can do to like may have like a special dinner in there. You can uh, hire a chef to do stuff, whatever you want to do. But being in that space is really special and fun if they haven't done that yet. And conversely, if you want to, again, spend a bunch of coin, uh, if I was you, if I was part of this very fun hang, very thoughtful event, I would want to stay in a Disneyland themed suite. 
They have a lot of fully tricked out themed suites that I've never seen before. It's pretty rare that people end up in those. They're really cool. The Frontierland one especially has a piece of my heart. And I think surprising your group with something like that, something they probably have never seen before. They might not even know that exists. I think that would be extremely special. Uh, You are so thoughtful to think through and to call. I, I hope one of these suggestions works. Let me know how it goes. And thanks for calling. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. so much for listening and thank you to Griffin Newman for coming on Very Amusing. Watch Disenchanted on Disney Plus hashtag Pip in the Parks. Uh, listen to Griffin's podcast Blank Check with Griffin and David. Check out George Lucas talk show and follow Griffin at Griff Lightning on Instagram and I believe Griff is back on Twitter at Griff Lightning too but give him that freedom that he so deeply deserves that we discussed. So follow him there but like let him take a Twitter break. We all deserve it. And hey while your phone is out, why not rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts? Or rate and follow us on Spotify. We appreciate it very, very much. It's like an early Hanukkah gift for me. So I thank you. You can give us a call anytime at 747churros. Send us a voice note. Just text it to us. I've been using the text function a lot with a lot of people. <laughs> um, texting people back for calls that I missed during our hiatus to be like, did I uh, did I get to your question in time? If not, can I help you with anything over text? It's nice. It's like a little, I feel like a hotel concept but like in a very fun, friendly way. Not like hotel concierges aren't fun and friendly, but it's it's nice to have that like that power to just freely text people back to be like, how's your Disney trip? Got any questions? Cool. Uh, you can also send it to 747churros at gmail.com as an attachment. If you want to show your love for this show across your human torso, uh, or you, you know, I, I don't even, I'm bad at selling things. We sell merchandise. <laughs> That's all you need to know. And you can find it at very-amusing.com we have things for kids things for baby things for toddlers things for adults things for your head things for your torso um uh we have shrek sember hats i think we still have some in stock if you want to ring in the holiday a little early this year order them now and they should arrive by shrek sember but check it out and we will soon i say this every time we will soon have more merch coming uh we're in the design process so get Amped. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, and you can join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. Uh, this episode was edited creatively by Jeff Fox. And FYI, this week was my mom's birthday, so wish her a happy belated birthday if you're hearing this, because uh, we love my mom who works for free on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mom. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetheart. This is a great, very amusing podcast episode. I loved it. Kirk from Camp was such a good interview. He was so fun to listen to, both of you. I really enjoyed it because I am a big fan of Encanta, and I would love, love, love to see the casita. That would be so wonderful.
Great episode, honey. I love you so much. Oh, for the caller who called about, like, protein snacks, my, my new go-to, if I don't want to carry eggs around and worry about it, I go to Trader Joe's and I get the turkey sticks, and I eat them on the plane underneath my little mask. It's so easy and so fun to stick it anywhere. It can be hot, cold, doesn't matter. All right, that was my little tip. I love you. Great episode, and I'll see you next week, honey. Love you. Bye.